Welcome to Emergency Debrief. Today, the topic is sepsis and how it can be better managed in the pre-hospital setting. Today, we're here with... Alex. And Stefano. And myself, David. First of all, we need a definition for sepsis. Stefano, do we have that? Yeah, sure. So I actually have a great definition for you guys. So according to Mayo Clinic, sepsis is a potential life-threatening condition caused by the body's response to an infection. The body normally releases chemicals into the bloodstream to fight an infection. Sepsis occurs when the body's response to these chemicals are out of balance, triggering changes that can damage multiple organ systems. Really? That's interesting. So what are the causes of sepsis? So typically, any infection can trigger sepsis. However, pneumonia, kidney, bloodstream, and abdominal infection are most likely found to cause sepsis. Okay. Okay. Uh... Risk factors? Are there any risk factors? Yeah, so there's a there's actually a few. So young children and seniors are at a high risk. Individuals with compromised immune system, diabetics, or individuals with cirrhosis, um, wounds or injuries such as burns, and individuals with invasive devices such as intravenous catheters or breathing tubes. Okay. So with all that said, is there any standard that pertains to sepsis and how uh, people in the pre-hospital yeah. setting could deal with it? Yeah, I, I can answer that one. Um, so while not specifically uh, about sepsis, uh, in the fever standard, there is a guideline on how paramedics can uh, identify signs of sepsis, but uh, it's actually a little bit limited. And I feel like that's really where we have the opportunity and why I think we're talking right. about it right now right. Uh, for us to expand our uh, knowledge of sepsis and address it as a time sensitive crisis uh, like it really is. Right. You know, and we, we deal with so many time sensitive things in the field, right? Yeah. So like CPR, that's pretty time sensitive, would you say? Like everything's down to the second, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that just reminds me, like even in the last decade, we have advancements in our field in paramedicine with the STEMI bypass protocol uh, trauma-related protocols, the stroke protocols, but it seems like there isn't much attention paid to sepsis. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, like, I, I think uh, the biggest problem with sepsis and, and trying to uh, bring it to the forefront as, a, as something that the pre-hospital setting can deal with is that these patients aren't really dying in paramedic care, right? Like, if someone, if a STEMI goes wrong, the guy's dead on you. Yeah. Uh, if mm -hmm. you, if you, you know, if you deal with a stroke wrong, like he's in your truck. Like this, these guys are very critical in your care. Whereas sepsis, typically, yeah. their mortality is going to be in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, no, you make a great point. So, you know, what's interesting to me is that I think there might be uh, something missing with regarding the screening mm -hmm. tool for sepsis. Mm -hmm. What do we have right now in the pre-hospital setting? Uh, well, right now, we're just looking for... Like presence of fever, uh, which is uh, over greater than 38.5, uh, any sort of possible uh, infection is suspected. And then it's just looking for one of uh, the following, uh, like hypotension, uh, increased respiratory rate, or uh, a, a decrease in LOALC. Uh, and that's about it. The only recommendation they have is to alert the hospital that you're coming with possible sepsis. Okay, great. So that's one framework. That's what it says in what, the BLS. Is that right, Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. 
So what does it say, if anything, different in the literature? So yeah, I actually found something here. So in 1991, the American College of Chess Physicians and the Society of Critical Care Medicine actually came up with a screening tool for sepsis for pre-hospital care. And um, it, it talks about the vital signs of sepsis and includes some that are like not included in the BLS fever standard. Really? Yeah, so they talk about how you can actually have sepsis with a temperature under 36 degrees Celsius. Oh, yeah, cold sepsis. Yeah, and wow. you can actually have a heart rate above 90 per minute. doesn't include that either. Um, so if you present with two of the following signs and symptoms, they actually ask you if you also have a history of infection. So pneumonia, UTI, meningitis. There's, there's a long list. Oh, yeah. If these both apply, then the patient has sepsis. Then they ask us to monitor the following signs and symptoms, such as blood pressure, systolic under 90, or a mean of under 65 millimeters of mercury, an oxygen saturation of under 90, not past urine, a greater than eight hours, lactate greater than two millimoles per liter, and also prolonged bleeding from minor injury or gums. So if you present with none of the following, then this is actually sepsis that... Um, has no organ dysfunction. However, if you present with at least one of the following, then it is actually considered a severe septic emergency. Right. So then that gives us a tool to separate, uh, you know, uh, a lower acuity sepsis to a septic emergency uh, that needs to be dealt with mm -hmm. uh, in a much more efficient way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So this is the thing though, right? Like they're already going to the hospital. I imagine mm -hmm. the hospital, they get antibiotics, fluid bolus, whatever they need. What can we really do in the pre-hospital setting to increase survival rates? So I actually found something. According to an observational cohort study done in 2014 involving pre-hospital IV access and fluid resuscitation and severe sepsis, early intravenous catheter placement was associated with decreased odds of hospital mortality in patients with severe sepsis. Yeah, I was actually looking around and uh, in, in a, in a meta-analysis of a bunch of different studies, they found that uh, for every hour that is uh, antibiotics are delayed in severe sepsis, mortality rate increases by 7.6%, oh which God. is actually huge. Yeah. Uh, and it just increases uh, for each hour uh, afterwards. And common sense says that if these are the treatments that are going to be done in hospital, there's no reason that they wouldn't be successful in uh, the pre-hospital setting as well. And that's actually what uh, Dr. Damon Scales, uh, coming out of Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center, uh, wants to try and uh, back up with some evidence. He's currently trying to um, initiate a clinical trial, which allows paramedics to start uh, IV fluids uh, or an antibiotic in cases of severe sepsis. Yeah, that actually reminds me of a study that I read when I reviewed the literature. Uh, so for example, there's a study in 2018 of the UK that tried to see the degree of feasibility of having a new protocol for their paramedics to treat sepsis in a pre-hospital setting. So what the study did is that it took 60 paramedics and there was a degree of randomization insofar as once they figured out that the paramedics, or excuse me, that the uh, patients had sepsis, right. they had a flashcard, 
and it dictated whether they gave an intervention, which included taking a blood culture hmm. and uh, administering antibiotics such as cefotaxime through IV, or alternatively, they just did their regular intervention, which includes making sure that their SpO2 levels are at least at 94%. Oh, yeah. And administering like a fluid bolus if they were hypotensive. Um, so the conclusion of that study was overall positive. What they did is they, at the 90-day point, after each intervention with each individual, they did a telephone, um, something like an interview, and they also did a paramedic focus group to figure out how they felt about the intervention. And with the um, telephone interview and other data analysis, they figured out if they actually um, had better survival rates using this intervention. Right. To me, it seems like there's lots of evidence that uh, in the pre-hospital setting, we can definitely make a difference as paramedics. Yeah, yeah just to play devil's advocate over here, it's actually going to increase costs too, and we're yeah, probably going to have, have to, to yeah, we're going to have to train uh, people to be IV certified and all that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that wraps it up. Alex, Stefano, myself here at Emergency Debrief. We'll see you until next time. See ya. Later. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.